All right, everybody, welcome back. It is the Mountain Off Sports Show Summer Recap. It's August 27th. Perfect time to recap, right? Everything's happened. It's been a crazy summer, crazy spring, too, and we got a lot to talk about. I'm joined here by co host Ryan and a new signee, Jonathan Sullivan, has uh, exclusively signed a Mouth and Off Sports for his, uh, you know, very hot takes. 2019, 2020 academic. Yeah, year. and his very hot takes. So we got him for a year. He can call into top guys if he wants, but, you know, he can't do the whole show. Jonathan, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Good. Ryan, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic. All right, so we're going to start off here. I think, I think we got to start off with a very painful topic here, and it's the Bruins. The end of their playoff run as we knew it. Uh, they had a great run. They lost, obviously, in Game 7 to the St. Louis Blues. And it was, I mean, they, they never even woke up that game. Like, they, they just flat out did not have anything. That skipper goal that I forget who shot it on the Blues, but it was almost from the blue line. And it took a weird bounce. Rask couldn't get to it. And that was like the theme of the night. And I think that's where we got to start. They had an absolutely amazing run. They get by Toronto. And they don't even have to get by Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay gets eliminated. The Islanders were eliminated. Uh, they get through Columbus. And they get through Carolina as well. And then they're right there with the St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Blues were one of the worst teams in the NHL last season. About halfway through. I think it was in January. They were one of the worst teams. Yep. Go on this massive run. Kind of like the Bruins as well. But the Bruins were better. Way more consistent throughout the season. And they just... Man, it's... That game seven, but it was at home too. That's what really stinks too, is that it was at home. Rask was going to just complete this redemption arc, this amazing redemption arc that he was on. You know, just so many people have to bring up 2013 and just basically always blame it on him completely. And I mean, yeah, rightfully so in some ways, but man, it just, I, I feel bad for him in that respect. Like I, I was ruined for him so hard. It just really like that, I, that game seven is going to, is going to burn, especially for that core, because that core, I, that could be their final run, yeah. that whole core right there. So, you guys, thoughts? You just feel like this might have been the one that got away. Like you said, might be their final run out as, as a core. You get the ideal setup. You, you were looking at a doomsday scenario where, scenario where you might have to go through Tampa Bay in the second round and the Capitals... In, in the in the third round in the conference finals and then who knows out of the out of the west and you get all these teams that in the regular season were just okay good squeaked in but they excelled very well in the playoffs and the Bruins were able to get past all of them they get to game seven of the Stanley Cup finals and then they lay an egg and it's just you just wonder if this is this is gonna linger into next season I think so. Jonathan, anything yeah, else to add? I mean, I, to break on Ryan's point, I mean, just, you see, I had three teams that worried me in the Eastern Conference, and they were Tampa Bay, Washington, and Pittsburgh, and all three of them lose in yeah. the first round. De- sets champs. up, like, the, like, you couldn't draw up in, yeah. an easier slate to it get couldn't. to the finals. <laughs> and, okay, they did. Obviously, they did get to the finals. And they got to Game 7, which is, they played as far as you possibly could get into the season. But, I mean, it just stings so much because it would have been better if they had lost in Game 6 in St. Louis. It was the fact that they went to St. Louis, won Game 6 convincingly, basically. Yep. Convincingly. Yeah. I think it was like 5-1 or 5-2 something was like the yeah. final like that. And, I mean, 
Then they come back home, and they, they controlled the first period. I think they hit the post maybe once or twice on a power play. Yeah. And then just, I mean, Tuca, like, I know he's the scapegoat. I get it. It's, like, yeah, but, but like, it's tough. Two goals on four shots to in a start period. The game. Two goals. The first period, the Blues had four shots. I mean, the Bruins had, like, it was like 15 or 16 shots or something like that. And the Blues have four and score two goals. And they score one with, what was it, like eight seconds left or something? Like, I mean, just an absolute killer. I mean, and I don't want to yeah. bash on Tuca, but, like, you four shots, you just you just can't. Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> You're at a loss of words. Yes, two that's, U's. That's how it is. Two U's, two K's. <laughs> Two Stanley Cup losses on home ice. The first line's got to show up, though, too. I mean, you're, you're basically getting carried by Charlie Coyle for half of it. I mean, and granted, yeah, that's great, great move, great deadline move. Um, I don't think everybody was a huge fan of it at the time when the, when the deal was made. Uh, but I just, I feel like the first line, they really let Tuca down, too. I mean, Tuca did, I, I wouldn't say he was, you know, the MVP, but pretty close. If he won, he definitely would have been MVP. Oh, he would have won constantly. But, yeah, 100%. But I just think, like, the narrative, you know, it's like if, if they win that game, he's the constant winner. They lose, and, yeah, two goals, four shots, can't have it. But I think if I, oh. I think if he loses a close game, like, if it's a competitive and he is, is stopping, yeah. like, if it's a one nothing game and he, it was just he lets up the overtime win it, but, like... You're not gonna you're not gonna fault him for letting up one goal, right? No. But it's just the way that we lost and the way that it went down. Yeah. Like you said, letting up two goals on four shots to in the first period. That's you just completely killed the momentum you had coming off of the game six road victory, and you just dig yourself a hole. You get the home crowd groaning and moaning. Oh. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. They uh, they couldn't get up for it. This him. game's over. Right. The Bruins gave him no reason to get up. and After the first period. they The Bruins started the game hot. I think they, they might have hit the post or something. Like the first I think five Ryan minutes. mentioned that. If I remember right, I think they hit the post. Like They definitely hit the post in the first period. can't remember when it was. And it just had, I, I had the feeling of like the Bruins. It was like that classic game where it's like, this team has chance, have a chance, have a chance, have a chance, have a chance, and they can't hit it. And the other team gets one chance and scores, and that's what it was. And you, you just know. You just knew. You, yeah. You've seen it. You don't want to admit it. Obviously, you've got all the time in the world to come back, but you just know. It's going to be that kind of yeah, night. It's, it's going to be an uphill yeah, battle. It's that kind of game. Another thing, too, is I feel like each, almost every series, you know, was a another theme, I'd say, with everybody, especially Marshan, they were getting too cute with, way too cute with the puck. They were looking for the perfect look. It seemed like they, you know, they wouldn't just shoot the puck half the time. They were looking for that, you know, one-timer, perfect wide-open net, no-brainer, but again, you know, they just couldn't connect. They couldn't execute in, in that game seven, and, uh, you know, it really is a shame that it has to kind of fall on Tuca, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the teams that they had to face... I understand that the NHL playoffs, you could argue, has the most parity of any playoffs. But the teams the Bruins faced on the way to the Stanley Cup, you're just... I don't... That's never. Like, I, I convinced myself that, that you'll never have a weaker slate of... You basically played... You played Toronto, and then you played what would have been the 8 and 7 seeds yeah. in the Eastern Conference. 
to get to the Stanley Cup. And then you place the Blues team, which would have been, I think they would have been like the probably fifth or sixth place in the West. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they played, they I were on the they, road they were, yeah. at Winnipeg in the first round. Yeah, I think they were the third seed in the Central. Yeah, so that's like six. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, come on. You, you didn't have to play a top four or five team right. in either conference. Yes. Yeah. And you and you and you got one. You were one game away from taking it home, and then <coughs> you laid the egg. Yeah. It also doesn't help to wait till there's two minutes left in the game to score your first oh, goal. Yeah, that was like so I that, didn't even see it. I had left. I had left with like five <laughs> minutes left after they scored it the just, fourth. It just you. You can't go down two nothing at home game seven, and then wait and then not score until it's four nothing. Yeah, yeah. You, you've dug yourself a hole. Two, four, nothing with two minutes to go. You, you can't come back from that. Yeah, that's just, the, no. no. There's no, there is no there. miracle on ice, even realistically possible in that scenario. Yep. So, I mean, you guys got much more to add there? Uh, just the Bruins' disappointment on, on home ice. I know home ice isn't the biggest thing, but yeah, what they get. Ryan's got the schedule. I think they went one and three, one and three at home. In the finals. Oh, one in three. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, bad. one in three. That's... You cannot do All you that. have to do is go two and two. You cannot go one and three on your home ice in the Stanley Cup finals. You just can't. Yeah, no. You can't do it. Yeah. Two, you, they went two and, two and one on the road, which is, we'll take that. Right. But you cannot go one and three. No. That's, that's inexcusable. And that's, that's why just, they didn't deserve it in the end. I mean, right. honestly, St. Louis ultimately deserved that cup. They yeah. absolutely did. Um, so I, my, my only concern, yeah. my last concern is, yeah. and I already sort of brought it up, is will this will there be a sort of a hangover? Will this linger into next season where they got so so close, and then to lose the way they did, will they be able it to just to. pick pick themselves off, dust themselves off, and come into this season with the same type of intensity? I'll yeah. say this. I'll say this real quick. I really don't see it. I I think they're going to have a hangover because. They played as much hockey as you could possibly play. They lost in a very just deflating fashion after just coming off such a high after those you know first three rounds, and they have an aging main core. And I just I don't see it going their way. I think they're going to be a little banged up going into this coming season. So I'm not that concerned about them having the hangover during the regular season because if I remember, if I'm remembering my years right. They lost in 2013, and then 2014, I believe, is the year where the, they the won the President's yeah. Trophy. But they, so they were the yeah. best team. But then they lost a disappointing second-round series to the Canadians. So I'm concerned. I'm not worried about the Bruins in the regular season next year. I believe they'll make the playoffs. I understand that their core is aging. Other teams around them got better. But I still think of the Atlantic division, they're it's them. It still is them, Toronto, and Tampa that are going to get the top three spots. Yep. I'm just concerned about the playoffs again because, as I mentioned, I mentioned a hundred times, you're not going to get that type of break again in the playoffs. Yeah. You're just not. Yeah, no. You're sure. gonna. You have to assume that you're going to face, you know, Tampa, Toronto, Washington. You know, the the some, hardest somebody. teams. Yeah. The hardest yeah. teams. Pittsburgh, like loaded with talent, instead you're, of some bum. Carolina team that had no business even making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the fact that Tampa Bay, who won 62 games in the regular season, I, I think they were like uh, like a win or two away from setting 
the record for right. most points in a regular season. And they get swept. They didn't even win a single playoff game. They lost to Columbus. Like, that's never... That's not just not going to happen. Right. So, hopefully, they're able to bounce back next year. But we'll have to see. Absolutely. So, let's segue on over to, uh, you know, another team that uh, really let us down, except just so much more unlikable. I mean, please. The 2018-2019 Celtics, gone forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I, one of my least favorite Boston teams I can remember. I mean, the, the 2011 Red Sox, these Celtics, oh my God, just so unlikable. But we obviously missed the rest of the playoffs and uh, the NBA offseason, which was great, obviously, for many reasons. But the Toronto Raptors, you know, they get their first franchise championship. You love to see it. You love to see it. Kawhi taking down Golden State. Everything kind of unraveling for Golden State now a little bit. Durant leaves, but let's let's start. Let's focus first on the Celtics and sort of the moves they made, right? And we got the NBA draft. We can touch on too, but I'd say let's let's start with off season. You know, like free agency. Yeah. Because I think that's going to be way more impactful for them in general and the league. Um, they replaced Kyrie with Kemba Walker. A little bit of a bias here, I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge Kemba Walker fan. I mean, I mean, step back, Madison Square Garden, cardiac Kemba. Oh, I could go on and on. But um, So they get Kemba, they lose Al Horford to the 76ers. That's a tough loss. And they, you know, they draft a few guys that they like. Taco Fall comes in, absolute unit. Uh, they bring on Ennis Cantor. Don't mind those moves, but it's like you can't. You you didn't replace Al Horford. I love the Kemba move because even if I wasn't a big Kemba guy, you had to do something. You're not gonna you're not gonna bring back Terry Rozier. Sorry, Ryan. I'm uh... the the ship has sailed. Um, the ship has sailed. Um, Terry Rozier. Fuck Terry Rozier. <laughs> I'll say that right now. He can go waste away in Charlotte, hang out buddy buddy with MJ. I don't give a flying poop. Kemba, I'll take you, buddy. I love it. And the fact that he's in the prime of his career. This is exactly when you would want him. He's coming off All-NBA third team. Uh, you know, first appearance there. So I love those moves. I just think, you know, the East, you know, like the Sixers got better. And the Bucks are only going to get better with Giannis just getting better as a player overall. So it's not going to be easy. The Brooklyn Nets added KD and Kyrie. Do you think the Sixers... Uh, let me, I'm sorry to cut you it's off. Fine. Do you, do you think the Saturday Sixers really got better? They get Al Horford, but they lose Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but for they me, are literally just a bunch of six eight to seven foot guys. I I agree, but like they lo- they lost JJ know, Redick too. I don't know if Jimmy Butler meshed that well there. Ultimately, I don't know if he meshes well anywhere. I think that they got. But better. you think they got better? I think they got. Better. I think they got better because I think Al just brings a he brings like a good locker room presence. Obviously, a quiet leader, but also yeah, he does a lot on the floor that you know. You know, cliche, but he you know doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But he's still he is still good, and he's not that old. I think he's still relatively healthy. So I think they they got a great player there, and yeah, they're overpaying a little bit. But ultimately, right now they have to try to win. I yeah. mean, they have to. So you know what I would say? I would say you know maybe the Sixers didn't get better, but the teams around them lost more than they did because they gained a 
player in Al Horford. You look at the teams that finished ahead of them last year. Toronto, obviously, is going to be much worse this year. They oh, lost yeah. Kawhi. They didn't replace him, you know. With anything. Yeah, with anything. They signed um, They signed some small four. I can't remember. But not, not a good, not good. Like, if you can't remember, yeah, that says all yeah, you need right. to know. I mean, they're going to be not good. Like, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. Because the it's East, the East. But And the Pacers are getting Old Depot back. Yeah, Pacers. Yeah, but they're they're not. Like, oh, okay, the Pacers, I'll give you. Yeah, the Pacers. I mean, but yeah. the Pacers aren't better than the 76ers. No. And no, no, no. the Bucks, they lost Malcolm Brogdon. I think people are sleeping on how big of a, a loss that's going to be for them. I know they still have Giannis. They still have Middleton. But after Giannis and Middleton, I mean, what else do they, honestly, like, what else do they have? Brooke Lopez. Pat yeah, Connaughton. Yeah, People Lopez. sleep. Yeah, local boy Pat Connaughton. <laughs> they got the Lopez twins, actually. Oof. Um, <laughs> Yuck. They don't concern me. The Celtics, back to the Celtics. The Celtics next year should be the third team in the East. The East, in my opinion, should go 76ers, Bucks, Celtics. The Celtics should be the third seed. Do you think the Sixers are, are leapfrogging the Bucks? Yeah. So you really believe really they, they, they got better? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I mean, I for me, I think I'd still have the Bucks winning the East, uh, but I mean, I really I really think, you know, obviously if the Nets had um, KD, I think they're, they're right there, but I don't know. I think between the Celtics and the Nets, the Nets, I could see winning at least 40 games. I mean, they won 42 last year uh, with D. Russell at the helm, so... Oh, yeah, they'll win. Yeah, they'll definitely win around there. But um, I I really like the moves, though, that the Celtics made. Um, I really do. I I think they were all good. You know, we don't have to get too into, like, what we think they're going to do, you know, this coming season. I think we can save that for another day. But just in terms of what they did at the draft, too, Ryan, like, I'm glad they took a flyer on Taco Fall. I don't want to do a lot of Taco Fall talk, but, like, I'm glad they, like, they saw they have a big fat need there. Yeah. They need big men. They need a rim protector, somebody. And like, who knows? I mean, nobody took him. You got Bull Bull, who's a couple inches shorter, you know, running around. I think, why not? And Ennis Cantor, if he can stay healthy, I think that's one of his biggest issues is he can't stay healthy. I think he's got decent talent and he could help you out, but he's got to be out there on the court for you. And other than that, they really don't have much much there um, in the front court. Their front court's not that good. And Anis Cantor just addresses the offensive rebounding need, but he doesn't address the the shot protector, the the shot blocking need that you had in the front court. And is Taco the answer? Probably not. Even though he's seven six, because he's just not athletic enough yeah. to and and just skilled enough to really make a a actual. He's impact. very raw. Yeah. Very very raw. So you, you're looking at. Is it is it Time Lord? Is it who you don't know? We still don't know who that guy, that rim protector is. In theory, it should up. be Robert Williams. It <laughs> should be. I mean, first round pick. For what it's worth, he was supposed to be a, a higher pick than he was. Slowed down. The Celtics scooped him. I mean, in theory, he's your guy. Like that should be your guy. But I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what uh, how Brad works all that. How he works the yeah. lineup. I mean. I think he's going to enjoy it. I think that's what he loves to do. And he's got a team that people aren't going to really be high on, especially the national people. So it's just kind of like the bread and butter. We've seen it already once. He can't, in terms of like diva superstar, it's not really his mojo. Or he can't, or he didn't connect with Kyrie. I don't know if it's a Kyrie problem or not. I mean, 
potentially. We'll see in Brooklyn, but um, I think Brad's going to have a lot of fun with with this team. I'm I'm just the biggest question mark is that center and power forward who are going to be you know your rim protectors there. So yeah, I mean I'm interested. This Celtics team interests me because of the way they're built. I mean Stevens is a coach that in the past. You know, you could be a, a talented guy offensively, but if you're not putting in the work on the defensive end, you're not going to get the minutes. That's why you see him go to Smart so many times over someone, you know, that might have been better offensively because Smart's defense is, is better than, you know, anyone else on the team. But the way the Celtics team is built, I mean, they're not built, you know, to defend, really. I mean, they're built to, with the addition of Cantor, you know, who might arguably be the worst defensive center in the league, they're building a roster that on paper, they the way they win is they win 120 to 115 yeah. instead of trying to grind out a 195 win. You know, they're yep. just trying... When Cantor's in the floor, they just they have to try to outscore everyone else. Basically, it's almost like they're, they're trying to build a... a dare I say, like a Golden State light yeah, with yeah. like... Uh, point guard that's a very good score and you know you have all these wings without really a true big in there and you just rotate these bigs that you know are hard to defend and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and you just try to just outscore everyone Mm -hmm. and I mean that's going to be interesting to me because I don't think that's Brad Stevens style yeah his go-to but I mean that's the team he has this year at least though uh, at least though he's a guy that maybe could get as much as possible, like, uh, defensive ability or at least effort out of, you know, this group. Because, obviously, they didn't really have that last year, whether it was the culture, the environment in general, or just the lack of will. I think this year, you just have a better group of guys in general that probably get along better. I mean, you got four of them on Team USA, so... Yeah, that's not a bad thing. I mean... That's actually really, like, that's amazing, you know? Right before the preseason, you get a meshing already, and then, you know, you sprinkle in uh, Hayward. You know, hopefully Hayward, I mean, can at least be just a little bit better than last year. I mean, even just a little bit. Um, yeah. The only thing I will say about the Team USA thing is, let's say that Team USA runs the table, which, I mean, that's a pretty fair, safe thing to assume. Yes. I mean, they lost the other day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sure they were trying their hardest. Um, but... Let's say they make a deep run. That's a lot of basketball before the preseason even starts. Then you've got the entire grind of the NBA season, and then a, a more than likely a, a potential playoff run. Is is that is that too much basketball on these guys' plates? Considering the injury histories that a Marcus Smart has. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't have any concerns over a Jalen or Tatum. A Tatum or. <clears throat> Uh, I think Kemba, be, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. but it's, for smart, I I have questions there. I think for at least for at least Jalen and and uh, and Tatum, I think it'll at least help their development. Like yeah, even if it does wear them down a little bit, and maybe they gotta manage their minutes like to start the season, or I don't know mid season, you know, so be it. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think for the most part, the good outweighs the bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, smart. Who knows with, with that guy and his injuries? I mean, he could punch another mirror for all for all we know and break his hand. But yeah, I mean, I and again, going back to their draft because you know we weren't here for that. Um, you know, taking guys like Langford. Uh, I know Langford. Uh, 
he reminds me, and I remember looking at his numbers in college, very similar to Jalen Brown's. Not a great shooter, um, kind of like a athletic type that can get to the basket well. I, I kind of like that because at least it's working so far with, with Brown for the most part, like overall as a whole. It's, it's working well. He still has a high ceiling. Yeah. So if, if that's the kind of guy that Brad, you know, works well with, yeah. great. He's a, he's a, Langford is a rangy 2-3, and he put up those numbers playing through an injury. So, so all right. So that that yeah. should tell you all you need to know. But he also was shut down fairly early. And so that brings in the question durability concerns. Okay. And so, yeah. it, like I said, not the greatest of shooters – and we're trying to be an offensive-minded team, how does he fit in? Is he, is he uh, the next Marcus Smart? Is he basically Marcus Smart 2.0? Yeah. Who knows? There's a lot of question marks around the, 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 the draft class that the Seas have. Oh, but there's, sure. a lot of, there's a lot of high upside to these guys as well. I think Grant that's Williams what for, has yeah. been raved about for his work ethic and his play so far whether it be the summer league and camp and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so I'm, I'm excited to see how he fits in. And Carson Edwards seems like he, plug. he could, he could be plug. A, a Isaiah Thomas sort of yeah. just throw him in, let him just, just, yeah. just score at will. Yeah. So, but he ain't defending anyone else. No, <laughs> yeah, no. no. Again, no, no, no. we have <laughs> no defense. We are an anti-defense you team. Tell you, you put, you put, Cantor and Carson Edwards on there, <laughs> you better score 15 a quarter because yeah. you're giving up 45 at least. <laughs> I, 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 you could say the same thing for Kemba and, and Cantor. Yeah. And yeah. That's, a, that's a lineup that's going to be on the floor fairly they're gonna consistent start, They're going to start. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, just a, if that's a pick and roll situation. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. You have to, you're probably giving up points almost all the time off yeah. of those situations. I wouldn't be surprised if teams literally force those situations right. on us. And so it's going to be really important that not only do we score a lot, but we're efficient in doing so. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, we can always just ask Kyrie, because, I mean, if we go back to one of his clips from last year, he, when, when Kemba lit him up, he's like, oh, yeah, well, every team, you know, plays him differently. I don't know why we've been playing him like this. Like, he just does it every time. Like, he'll probably have answers. He'll probably have answers. <laughs> but I, I think Kemba, I, I do think he's going to, yeah, is he going to put up Kyrie's numbers? Probably not. Is he going to break everybody's ankles? I mean, he has good handles, not Kyrie handles, but, you know, I, I think overall he has, like, the right mindset. He went to UConn. He's kind of knows the area a little bit. He knows what he's get him, getting himself into, I think, at the very least. I don't know if Kyrie knew what he was getting himself into, but at least Kemba, I feel like, has his head screwed on straight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I don't think there's anyone in the league that is, is unique. I I don't know if that's the right word, but as unique as Kyrie Irving is, you know, I mean, Kyrie Irving is arguably one of the most selfish athletes I've ever seen. And his, I mean, it, oh, the oh. biggest thing to me, it wasn't even anything this season. It yeah. was, you don't show up to game seven yeah. of the Eastern Conference Finals for your team on home court yeah. to go to the finals. It's like such because a Because you bad have to get look. a, what was it, a nose job or something? Surgery on his face, like, oh my lord! Like you can't show up for one game. Yeah. Like you have, it's not like oh, it's not like you work, you know, a regular job where you're working every week. Oh, you only get what June, July, August, and half of September <laughs> off. I mean, like, give 
me oh, and a break. Not playing uh, the game before the All-Star game this year and then going to the All-Star game and basically getting married to Kevin Durant. I mean, like, that's a bad look, too. And yeah. they just allowed it. They just... They just Knelt at his at, at his highness they, the whole time. They couldn't they couldn't say anything to him. And they couldn't like, move on from he's either. like a child. No, they they, couldn't. they they refused to move on from him. They, it, it wasn't until Kyrie said, "Yeah, I'm out." They the also, team would not say no. There was also reports that they let him fly separately from the team at times. Like never in a million years would I think that that is like acceptable in any sense. Any shape or form. Like, that is just ridiculous. Like, I I don't get it. And, yeah, this year, it was just clear. I think it was, like, December, January, like, right around then. He was just, like, asked me in July or whatever, July 1st. Like, that's that was, like, the red light. Like, oh, God. Yeah. This and, guy uh, is... and the uh, walking in when the cameras were in his face. When they oh, yeah. Houston, and I was like, I can't wait for this to be over. Yeah. When like... he's filming and promoting his movie. Well, oh, you only you don't want cameras in your face, but oh, I'm gonna go out and film a movie. Just absurd. Like, give me a break. And his video of like going home to Brooklyn, just the most pretentious, like dick, just douchey sounding video I've ever heard in my life. Like the way he talks about him himself is like, it's like he's the smartest uh, person that ever has ever walked has face walked the face. Like no one could be. <laughs> At quite as just grand as Kyrie Irving. Yeah. You don't understand. You don't get it. I'm happy he's gone. I'm happy he's gone. <laughs> like, as good as he, as good as his basketball talent is, I'm happy. He's he gone. is great. The player, love the player. Like just, he's an awesome player to watch. He's fun to watch. Any kid that is growing up and likes basketball would love to watch Kyrie play. Um, but right, the he's person, just intolerable. No. Yeah, he's just intolerable. He's a cancer to the, your team, and he's just. Despite all the talent, it's not worth it. Yeah, and you unless know, you're you, LeBron, yeah. unless you're LeBron or Kevin Durant, you're you're not going to be able to deal with it. And, and you he, already know because he's so talented. When he plays the Celtics, he's he's probably going to have a fifty burger this year against the Celtics. <laughs> oh, I mean, multiple? You, are you kidding me? You, yeah. you know he's going to ball out against Celtics. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, the Celtics will be. This is my first hot take. The Celtics. I am guaranteeing it. Guaranteeing. The Celtics have a better regular season record this season than they did last season. That's a guarantee. All right. Well, yeah, they won 49 last year, so I'm hoping. I'm really hoping they do. I could really use that because I, I really think they'll push Philly for the two spot because I, I, I'm not sold on Philly yet. I, I don't think You're they haven't. I just don't Jonathan's think they, way more sold. I just don't think. <laughs> I'm not sold on Milwaukee. They just don't have enough perimeter shooting to me. They have all the size in the interior. and I mean, they've got a freaking 6'10 point guard. But it's just like they don't have the shooting. They, yeah. They're just going to try and two-point you to death and, and, and free throw you, free throw line you to death. Yeah, and much. It, it, that's just not the way the NBA works nowadays. If you, if you gave me that team, this team 20 years ago... Holy crap! Am I invested in yeah. this team? I am. I am buying stocks like you wouldn't <laughs> believe in this team. But it's not the same NBA. This it's is true. not. I just don't think you can win a championship or even be like just a like a great team in this NBA with the way that team is constructed. And unless Josh Richardson becomes a three point god or the bench becomes a three point god, I just don't see. Where you're going, how you're going to compete with teams that can shoot threes very well 
all across the board when they just can't. It's fair. Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally fair. I just, I, I'm, I don't know. I just think about the variability of adding Al Horford. I know you took out J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler. I mean, obviously, it's going to have an effect. Um, I just wonder if... Jimmy Butler had any negative effect, and if there's any ripple, it's possible ripple from Al Horford coming to the team. Maybe they have a hot ten to fifteen game stretch to start the season, and they just go from there. I don't know, but I, they're probably I don't know. They're right there with us. They're right there. Oh, absolutely. With the Celtics. I, I'm yeah. not writing them off as as like they're better. No, yeah, you yeah. you just don't think they're going like, to take the East. Or anything. I'm not sold on them right now. I, I have to see what this team does yeah. for like a month or two before I come to any sort of conclusion on that. That's fair. I, I think the Celtics, at least looking at how they're constructed right now, have higher upside to them. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they'll finish higher than them necessarily. That remains to be seen. If you put a gun to my head and said, all right, Sixers or Celtics, who's going to finish higher? I'd probably lean on Celtics just because I don't trust them. Yeah. The Sixers right now. But I could absolutely see the Sixers finishing two, second in the East, maybe even first if the Bucks don't pan out. But I just I just have a lot of concerns based on their roster construction. Totally. Totally. And you never know with that whole operation over there, Brent Brown or whatever. I mean, that guy seems kind of like a empty suit or Yeah, I don't think he's the best coach. No. <laughs> I I wouldn't say so. But we have a uh, we have other other topics to look back upon. Um, we're going to segue here to... Uh, uh, this is just a negative, just upsetting show. I don't like... Oh my god, the Red Sox suck. The Red Sox are so bad. And they started off the year. We, we were covering it. 6-13. Uh, yep. and, and you just kept thinking, well, they won 108 games last year. Uh, you know, in, in 2018. They're coming off the greatest, arguably franchise team and team in franchise history i mean just by the win total they are and they kept everybody but kimbrell everybody but the damn closer and they just have ex- just imploded from inside inside it out and there's rumors now that dombrowski you know he's going to be out the door in the off season but you know we look back they gave chris sale this massive extension that doesn't even kick in until next year he's going to be making essentially david price money David Price is also locked in for another three years after this season, I believe. And you got to decide on... You just signed Evaldi. You just signed Evaldi. Pretty good money for him. Yeah, 4-17, and 17, right? And by good money, I mean good for Evaldi, not for the Red Sox. Yeah, very good for Evaldi. Uh, Porcello's coming off the books this year, but they have so much money invested in the starting rotation. And, you know, one of your biggest pieces in there, your ace, does not look like an ace. Far from it. I don't think we have an ace. There's no ace. It's like 2015 when John Farrell said, we have, I think we have five aces. And Clay Buckles was your ace back then. I mean, except this time, you're paying these guys $30 million. And, you know, Evaldi, who, you know, should be your, like, fifth guy, is making, like, almost Porcello money. You know, 17 per. And Porcello's even worse. And Porcello's <laughs> making 22 this year. It's just insane how much money they have invested there. And how little we're getting back. How little we're getting back. I, I got, before I, I hand off here, I got to give you something. Their bullpen, yeah, hasn't been great this year. But 
They should have added an arm, absolutely, but it's really the starting rotation that has kicked them in the ass. It has been their downfall this year. Um, in every single month this, this season, the Red Sox starting pitching staff, 3.9 ERA or higher, and only one of those months um, was a 3.9. And it's just r ridiculous. Uh, 6.1 in August, 5.3 in July, and the relievers, on the other hand, 2.5 in August for ERA, 3.6 in May. You know, they haven't had a great season. I'll give you that. Fine. 6.1. Oh, my but Lord. This stat should piss you off. And should you should be pissed off at Dave Dabrowski for this fucking stat. Pardon my French, but we're not on the radio, so we're all good. The bullpen. For every single month except July, they account for at least 40% or higher of the innings pitched on this staff. Your bullpen is pitching 40% of your innings, essentially. Yeah. That is... That means they're pitching practically four innings a night. That is just terrible. Your starters can't even get you to the seventh on a consistent basis, let alone barely five. They can barely get you through five. I mean, it, it's a debacle. You're not going to be a playoff team with, with those kind of numbers. And all your money is in your starters. Almost all your money. I mean, it's ridiculous. And if they don't figure it out, I mean the players, you're looking at a couple really bad contracts for the foreseeable future and could be the cost of Mookie, uh, Mookie Betts. You might have to trade him for starting pitching uh, talent for the minors. I mean, because Dabrowski's also pretty much, you know, taking a crap on your farm system. I mean, you got Bobby Dahl back. You know who will probably be up next year, but I mean, besides that, for pitching prospects, uh, Jason Groom—that's about Trash. it. And he's—he he's can't he's pitch. He, 18, he can't right? even throw. He yeah. can't even throw. I think he's—he's he's already at Tommy John. Now. He's already at Tommy John. He can't yeah. throw. You know who else is getting uh, Tommy John? Chris Sale eventually. Pablo Sandoval. Is he? Yes. Oh, just saying. <laughs> just they saying. Have to move they should just move him to first. <laughs> yeah. Um. But seriously. They got to figure it out, man. They really do. And this season, this season's done. I mean, I've been holding on hope. Yeah. But I know we're only, what, six games back of the last wild card spot. Yeah. But, but there's three teams there. Yeah, you're not yeah. making it. You're you not don't. You just, the way they're, they're playing right now, they're 11 and 12 in the month of August. They, they have to go like, I mean, what do they have? Like 30 games left or so? Yeah, well, they we'll basically got to so. go like 25 and 5 to make. Because you, you have to assume that right. at least one of the two teams that we're chasing is going to play well. Right. Exactly. You cannot assume that they are going to right. both go like 15 and 15 yeah. down the stretch. Yeah. And then you just have to go like 20 and 10 right. to be in a fighting shot. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And we haven't even had a 20 win month this season. No. The most wins we have in a month, I believe, is 16. We went 16 and 11 in one month. We've been meddling around like 14, 15 wins a month the entire season. We're, we're, we're just not going... The definition of mediocre. There is, there is no sign that this run, there is a run coming. I know we're 7 and 3 in our last 10. So maybe there's a little hope to cling on to there. But realistically, there is no evidence that the Red Sox have anything capable of a run to make a wild card push. I, Absolutely not. I almost want them to go the other way, just so that they can, someone can stick it to them and kick them in the ass, light a fire, something. I mean, 
You don't have to fire Cora or anything like that. You don't have to trade half the team. But maybe you send a message by trading Mookie. You trade Mookie for, for prospects, and you say, you know what? We're going to lean on Devers. We're going to lean on Bogarts. We're going to bring up Dahlbeck. We're going to trade uh, Mookie for, I don't know, what package X, four, three pitching prospects. I don't know. But you got to get something in return. Because I, I think he's done and out of Boston if you don't give him Bryce Harper money. And I, I don't know. He's not consistent enough to get Bryce Harper, Mike Trout money. Because every other year, he has an off year. Well, to be honest, Bryce Harper isn't consistent enough to get Bryce Harper money. He's not. <laughs> he's <true>. not. <laughs> but, very true. But, but you know what? Mookie Betts, every other year, flop. 2016, MVP right. candidate. 2017, flop. Audio 2018, Mookie. MVP. 2019, flop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... That they are going to trade. I mean, I don't know if we want to get into this this show or another show, maybe in the off season. No, no, yeah, but absolutely, just I think they are. I think you do move Mookie this off season, but if you move him, okay, you have you better, <laughs> you better hit. You cannot trade him for you know some pitching prospect that is your fourth starter in. Four years. Yeah. You need to trade. If you're trading him, you better get back a at least as should be a Cy Young candidate for like ten years, well, like a stud. <laughs> you yeah. do because they haven't developed any p- pitching prospects and uh, fucking yes. Clay Buckholes. Yeah. If you if you are like if you're trading Mookie, you have to get back Jesus. a prospect that you believe has at the bare minimum All Star level. Yeah. Uh, you know, floor or ceiling. Whatever you want to go with, but he has to be a, a guy that the pros. You have to get a prospect back that you can at least see in a short time frame, two, in the next few years of getting him. Yeah, that he can not only make an impact on the roster, but change, make an impact, change like a cha- yeah. like a game changer kind of guy. He's yeah. got to be a guy that's going to be ready within like two to three years because Bogarts and Devers, especially Bogarts, will be hitting his prime, yeah. and you you need like you need that core. To still be good, and at least Devers, Devers has been absolutely amazing this season. At least for me, though, yeah, I, I don't care what position the guy is. Okay, you you need at least one high end guy that you think could be maybe the next Mookie. Right, doesn't have to be a hitter, doesn't have to be a pitcher. For all I care, get the next like best thing for closer. Because clearly, you're not signing or trading for one. <laughs> like well, you're not getting an established closer. You already you don't have any avenue to do that yeah and you're not gonna sign anyone you don't have the money to do that <laughs> if you're trading away mookie bets so let's just cut to the chase um, you have to get you have to fill a hole yeah or you have to get a, a guy that you believe can rise up and be a top level performer on your team within the next be. few years has to be yeah absolutely because then you might as well just keep mookie if you're not gonna hit you know you might as well just keep him at that point and hope he resigns but yeah, I, I just don't know if they can truly afford to give Mookie the type of deal he's going to be looking for. I don't know. I mean, they can afford it. I well, mean, he has if the they want to go into the luxury tags, though, I don't think would. I don't know if they want to. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, you're looking at their... It's just... You guys know how I feel about Chris Sale. Yes, we know. <laughs> yes. You know well, how too I feel bad. about he's, Chris Sale. I've been, I've been out on Chris Sale. This isn't, I know Chris Sale's horrible this year, oh. but this isn't the first year I've been out on Chris Sale. This is true. Everyone knows this. And 
his contract that starts next year, five for 150, I mean, right now, I'm thinking you're looking at a, a Jacoby Ellsbury-type contract where <laughs> you're just sitting there eating dead money and this person never plays. I think he's done. I think his arm is done. Done. <coughs> done, done, done. His arm One. is done. Oh, and you, can, you say you can move him to, you know, oh, he can be closer. You don't sign someone to a five one fifty to be your closer. Yeah, you just can't do it. <laughs> no, you can't be paying your closer thirty million a year. We gave Evaldi seventeen, eighteen million, and he'd be overpaying the, the closer sole, role. exactly. And he's with a slight possibility of hey, he worked out as a as a back end bullpen well, guy. Wait, you could have just given Kimbrel this seventeen for four. If nah, it, you, you could have though. You should have. You could have, and you should have. You definitely should have, because clearly. That's the one. That's another huge blemish on this team. Is twenty four blown saves is tied for second most in the league, and their save percentage, the the amount of the percentage of saves converted on opportunities, is worst in the major leagues. It's awful. I'm pretty sure they've had like two games this season too where they've blown a save twice. Probably. I it's happened. Tw- I think it happened in May and it happened. That in wouldn't like surprise me. Late June, as I recall. Yeah, I think I, I might have been at the one in, in uh, May because I think it was against the Indians, yeah. and it was just a, it was one of those first times where you're like, ooh, I don't know if they're gonna figure it out. <laughs> I mean, there, there's been a lot of those games where I'm like, I don't know if they're gonna figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they they just can't get out of their own way here. And then you know they, they just have these nights where you just feel like, oh man, they're back. Like, or at least like they look like they're back. And, like, because the offense overall, I mean, the offense has been pretty good. The, it's been, like, number good? one in the league, I think. The offense, the hitting is number one in batting average on the season. And you got a guy like Devers who just explodes. People were kind of down on him last year. I was hearing, you know, people calling for Devers to be traded. Um, and he just comes out this year, guns blazing. He was the first player uh, to reach 100 RBI. First major leader to reach a 100 RBI, and, I mean, he hasn't even passed the seventh grade yet. I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, Rafi Devers... He's still eating ice cream Yeah, dinner. Rafi Devers is the best story, probably, or him and Bogarts, because I think the Bogarts contract, especially if he keeps playing the way, you know, he has this year, if he continues that, one of the best contracts that they've ever signed, in I my agree. opinion. I mean, it's just... For me, it's just a damn shame to see how well the hitting has been doing this year. It's I think it's been on par with last year, yeah. if not better. Yep. And to just see the pitching, let it let all the hitting go to waste. Oh. It, it just it that's just how bad the pitching has been. That it's just we have the number one offense in the league, realist, right around there, and we just cannot, we still can't win. If Eduardo Rodriguez is your best statistical pitcher, which he is right now, you're not winning shit. You're not. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez is a good pitcher. But he's, he's, a, he's a like good, a number three. Yeah, he's a, he's, yeah. A, he's a number three on a really good team. He's not, you know, he's not a number one. Yeah, no. And honestly, another good story. He's been able to stay healthy. He's been pretty consistent. And... I'm a fan of the guy. I'm glad he's, like, kind of figured it out. And you know what? Again, he's a good piece going forward. If he's able to kind of string together a couple seasons of this kind of play, 
Then you're going to have to pay him big money too, though. Well, no. no. Nobody else is getting max contracts on this starting rotation. We're done with that. <laughs> I mean, the way he's pitching this year, if he does this for, you know, another year or two, I think you're looking at north of $100 million for him. Honestly. I mean, fair. I wouldn't give him 30 per, though, if he does that. No, not 30 per, but I think you're looking at a Rick Porcello type deal. You know, what was I, that, 4 for 80 or something like that? 22, roughly, I think, per was the... Was the AAV, but um, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, because ultimately, if if Sale and Price don't get back to their form next year, you know, you're gonna have to do something. You might have to trade one of them, and or I, I don't know, I don't know how how you trade Sale, but I don't think he can right now. No, you ha- he has to come back and show something for like an extended period of time before you can even have a like a team. Like, like another contender say, hey, we'll take that off your hands. Yeah. And the only way you trade price, I think, is if is if you eat some of that money. I think you'd have to. Um, so I, I, I don't like that either. I mean, they they really are in a lose-lose spot at yeah. the starting pitching. You, you've just been an ab- – it's just been an absolute dud show for the starters. I mean, let's, can't let's just it. recap. Just price, disappointment, often on injuries. Sale, D- complete disappointment, o- off and on injuries, and, he's now shut down. For and he's season. thrown, like, two, what, 230 strikeouts? Yeah. The most empty strikeouts ever. Yeah. I think he's, like, first or second in <laughs> the league in strikeouts, and it's all for naught. Uh, you got Erod doing okay, doing fine. Yeah, he's a plus. Evaldi's been a bust. Bust. Hurt, like, all year. Now he's in, like, the bullpen. Yep. You traded for Andrew Kashner because you needed a starter, and he's been like the he's worst trade acquisition like ever. Yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a while. Uh, and then Brian Johnson has also been a bum. Yeah, and you you just you just wonder if you had had like semi competence in the rota- starting rotation this year, like got like couple guys at like three six couple couple guys maybe meddling around four. No well, how much there. of a difference would that have made? You're in the, you're probably in the wild card. Yeah. yeah, easily. Oh, easily in the wild card, and you probably have a chance to catch the Yankees. And then if, if that was the case, and then if just imagine if we had a closer, a ninth inning guy, and you cut the blown saves in half, that's twelve games. Yeah, yeah. twelve games. You're not down six in oh. the wild card. Yeah. You're up six. Oh. Jeez. You're not down 15 on the Yankees. You're probably within five. Ah! I mean, it's just so frustrating because you, you had this year, last year, where you win all the games. You blow out, basically cruise to a World Series. Yep. I mean, you only lost one game in each series. You lost one game in each series. Yep. You beat 300 win teams. Yeah. You beat... The reigning NL champs in the World Series. I mean, Ian Kinsler tried to blow it. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he cost us a game. You even had Ian Kinsler trying, trying to blow it for you. And it didn't matter. I can't believe he won gold glove. <laughs> oh, that was such <laughs> a joke. Don't get me started. That's a joke. But back to what I was saying, okay? You have this unbelievable year, and they won the World Series. And, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know what? They basically have the same team coming back here, back next year, 
And I'm thinking in my mind, you know, these next five, three to five years, you should be looking at a potential dynasty. You should be looking at, you know, two or three World That's Series what I was thinking, yeah. in five years. Something like that. With the, you should at least be the, contending, like, right. in the ALCS World Series right. picture. Consistently. For the next five years. Yeah. and I They've mean, already played yeah. out. And, I mean, it's just... I'm still, I'm still convinced in the back of my mind that if they somehow make the playoffs, because baseball is so open, if you told me they, you know, squeak into the wild card and win the World Series, I wouldn't tell you that's the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. But, no, I mean, it's too late. You know, that you can afford one bad stretch in the season, and that bad stretch was when they started the year. You can have that and get away with it. What you can't have is you have that bad stress to start the season, and then you lose eight fucking straight games. After the trade deadline. The end of July and beginning of August, or whenever it was. And on top of that, just sustained mediocrity. Yeah. Like, what's their longest win streak on the season? Does probably anyone know? Like, probably they like won five. five straight. It's probably five. Days, like, last week or something. Like, you can't start the way you did. You can't go on eight, nine-game losing streaks. Yeah. And then not have... The, the vice versa. You can't not have these prolonged stretches of winning and then think that you're going to be a good team and be in playoff contention. And it just sucks. Because they still have... It, they're still seven games above 500. But it's just not good enough. Yeah, I they they really did blow, that, blow the season right after Dombrowski did nothing. And... He probably thought they were going to respond the complete opposite way, and they did not. They, yeah, eight straight losses, and you, you just, you can't do that. And, <laughs> you and can't eight straight, do that. not just eight straight losses, eight straight losses against teams that you needed to beat, mm-hmm. teams that are also in the playoffs. Right after you had taken the first three games of a four-game series against the Yankees, you choked if, the Sunday night. If I remember away. right, that Sunday, were they not? Up or they were at the very least tied, I believe, with Tampa the Bay game. for the second wild card spot at that point. If uh, I remember right, they were right in the neighborhood. I believe yeah. at one point they, they were at least series, in it. They had passed. They were like a, a half game up in the second yeah, wild. They were card. definitely right there. And mm-hmm. then you lose eight straight. straight yeah, can't do it. Games yep. and three to Tampa Bay. Who was who were you fighting with for the second wild card? Just spot? no fight. No, just no fight. No desire. An or absolute whatever. joke. That's that was the season, yeah. not the beginning of the year. As I yeah. said, you know you can get away with you can get away with one of those bad stretches, but you can't have you multiple can't have and then not have any sort of prolonged win streak to make it. Yeah, up. and what disappoints me honestly, what disappoints me the most about the Red Sox this year, I saw you had it written down, is their record at Fenway. Yep, it, they, I was just about they, to bring that up. Yeah. On the road, actually, are good. not that bad. <laughs> if they if they just performed how these other teams performed at home. They'd be in the playoffs. To clarify, the Red Sox are 36 and 28 on the road this season. That's pretty solid. But they're 34 and 34 at home. That's inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable. They. And it's ridiculous, too, because of the type of year uh, that Porcello had before. He had that, uh, I think, 2017, right, when he won the Cy Young. Fluke. Yeah, fluke. I, please. No, I know. I'm, I've I'm been just saying. saying from day one <laughs> that we traded for him <laughs> that he is a just a giant fluke. 
But I'm just his, saying. His career numbers across the board are bad. They're not good. He is occasionally good for like one good to great season. And then the rest of it is just flaming shit. Tough scene. Yeah. And I mean, let me just tell you this. You know what Houston's record away away from home is? It's probably the same as the Sox. 36 and 31. Definitely. And the Red Sox are 36 and 28. The Red Sox are better on the road this wow. year than the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros at home... <laughs> 49 and 16. Jesus. <laughs> I'm not even asking the Red Sox to go 49 and 16. Yeah. Give me what? With 34 and 34, five, that's five. about 68. Yeah. Give me 40 and 28. <laughs> yeah. 40 and 28? 40 and 28? That's one. six games and you're tied for the wild card. There are so many ways the Red Sox could have just avoided the situation that they're in, whether it be have a closer, whether it be not be bad at home, whether it be have competent starting pitching. And they just, all of these things have just clusterfucked together and have just pooped the bed at the exact same time during the same season. Yeah. And this is where we're at. Yeah, and may- maybe, you know what? Maybe the bullpen would be a little bit better. Not if we added somebody, but maybe if, I don't know, the starters didn't force them to pitch so much. I mean, just keep, don't make them pitch almost four innings every night. I mean, it, it's absurd, yes. I just want clarify something on that because you're right you're right the bullpen has been way over tax yeah. this year but those stats you you also have to factor in that they've basically been without a fifth starter for very long at a time so you're going through one in every five games you're basically having an opener you know and the bullpen That's is true. pitching six innings yeah. you know six seven innings so but, I think that will sway the you know it will sway the stats a little bit, true. but not enough to take the blame off ta- oh, taxable yeah. bullpen. Yeah. That's for sure. If, if that would it would be a little bit different if this was the game plan going into the season. Right. Oh, let's have an opener. I mean, we I think I or a couple of us had discussed with Avaldi and all the guys that we had possibly starting the season with six starters, right? Just oh, yeah. to keep everyone stretched out and 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 fresh. And it came down to we didn't even have five. And it would be one thing if we, we were, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays. And we perennially have been doing this opener thing yeah. for years. And you built a team that way. And, and you were constructed that way. Yeah. But we're not constructed that way. And so when you are getting into those situations, that's a problem. Oh, huge. huge and it's not even like the, the core of the bullpen has been... Has been bad. They've they've been good. They're a top ten bullpen in the league. Yep. But they just have no closer, and they've been overtaxed and no identity too. I feel like none of those guys know what their like true role is in that bullpen. Right. Cool, because they're all being mixed and matched. Yeah. Because right. you're trying to f- figure out who can do the ninth, and because you don't know who's going to do the ninth, you've got you know somebody workman doing the ninth one game. You got Barnes doing the ninth another game, and that causes role switches. Oh. You're doing the seventh inning this game. Oh, now yeah, you're going to do mental, the ninth inning this game. What? The mental mindset. I mean, for a closer bullpen guy, you can't you can't mess with that. Yeah. That's all. That's all they have, really. Yeah. The bullpen is by far the most volatile spot on a baseball team. I mean, it's very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. You rarely see bullpen arms consistent year to year to year, which makes someone like Mariano Rivera just so rare. But like. I mean, the bullpen, it's like, you know, one. this person's up one year. It's, it's like every year 
you see these people move at the deadline and stuff, and they're having a stud year, yeah. and then the next year, trash. The bullpen is just is so volatile that I understand where the Red Sox are coming from when they don't want to, you know, spend a lot of money on the bullpen because it's so inconsistent. Well, that's fine. But if you're going to do that, then you better have starting pitching so your bullpen only has to they pitch thought they know, did three too. innings a night. <laughs> and you don't even have to put money into the bullpen. You just have to put money into a closer. Yeah, that's and all. Then yeah. Just, and then just filter, fill in I the mean, rest. I mean, they got Kimbrell in 2016. They win three straight divisions and their best season in franchise history. <laughs> they don't bring back Kimbrell. And they, go, they revert right back to 2015. Like... It's unbelievable. Like, it's obviously not the biggest reason. No, but it's it's, uh, it, it's definitely up there. It's in there. It's got to be in there. I mean, it's just disappointing. Uh, it, it's, it's just really overall. disappointing. Top top to bottom. There's just a lot of. We're gonna need a lot of people to either continue playing well. The guys that who are playing well are gonna need to continue playing well next year into yeah, next year. Devers, Bogarts, and then you're, you're gonna need a lot of people to bounce back. Yeah. yeah, I don't know because if you're... you need if you're gonna trade Mookie in this offseason and get pitching, that's okay. If JD Martinez opts in, you can't lose them both. Yeah, if you if no, you right. lose Mookie Betts and JD Martinez comes back and does what JD Martinez does, then your offense will still be solid enough to win baseball games. Yeah, I don't you know. You can't have them if you have them both leave. Then you're left with basically Devers and Bogarts. Mm-hmm. Ben Attendee is... Ugh. He's down You can't expect time. to get what you're getting out of Christian Vasquez. This no, year. no, he's not putting up almost he's, 20 For all again. we know, he's probably getting popped for roids. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I mean, it's just... It's worrisome. Yeah. It's it not, is. Not great. So, yeah, I mean, tough season for the Sox. Tough ending for the Celtics and for the Bruins. I mean... We're definitely not in 2018, boys. Uh, I'll tell you that. that. That was definitely... What a fucking year that was. Yeah. Championships on championships. But, yeah. I think with this team, going forward, I'd say just... Even if they do make a little bit of a run... Even if they do make a little bit of a run... Um, you know, they have a lot of big, big decisions coming. Obviously, Mookie. And... Figure out the pitching. Figure out Chris Sale. I don't know if you know their approach in the, for spring training had any effect, but they basically, you know, didn't really throw guys out there um, nearly as much as they used to. I feel like, um, so I don't know if their pitching program needs to be tweaked or whatever. But they got to figure something out. That we definitely know that much. Um, yeah, but any final thoughts? Boys, on either of the either of the topics we talked about today. Um, no. Uh, I was just gonna say I I think that for the MLB playoffs, it's uh it seems like a three horse race to me. Yeah. Seems like it's Dodgers out of the NL and then Astros, Astros and Yankees. Yankees. Yep. I'd be shocked if someone other than the Dodgers, uh, made it to the World Series, and I'd be shocked if uh somebody not named uh Houston or New York Yankees made it. Out of the hill. Unfortunately, I'm going to say this. I kind of think it's the Yankees here. I sure hope it's not. I don't think. I think the Astros are still better than the Yankees. Yeah. I, I, I think, don't think that, the Yankees have the 
the starting pitch. Yeah, the Astros getting cranky and. Uh, yeah, I mean that is huge. It is huge. That 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 could be. They essentially be have three aces, three dominant aces. We don't know what Granky is really capable of in the playoffs. He has, really hasn't pitched much, if at all, in the playoffs. I think he pitched a little bit with the Brewers in the playoffs, and I, I think he was okay, if not maybe less than okay. Um, but if those three are on, those three being Verlander, Garrett Cole, yeah. and Granky, then all you need is for Wade Miley to pitch like one a game four for you. And be competent, which he has been great for them all year. And you don't have to worry about your starters. And then they've had a, a solid bullpen, too. Add all the fact that they've had a bunch of injuries to their lineup over the course of the year. You get those guys back. Yeah, it's. I mean, Houston definitely, they got the pitch in forward. They have the lineup. They really are a complete balanced team. Yeah. Uh, Yankees... The Yankees are just going to try and out-dinger out you. Is there any word update on Stanton? I'm not, not aware any of Any chance he comes back? But still? I think there's I, still a chance. But if you, if you just think about all the bats that they have between Judge, Stanton, uh, Encarnacion, DJ and the Matthew. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, maybe he's been Gary been Sanchez. Uh, they, just, they just have so many power bats in that lineup. And you give them home f- home field advantage in the luxury of playing in a little league field for half their playoff run or more 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 than half their playoff run. That's dangerous. They they could be able to mash anyone. That's true. So. Yeah, that's 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 going to be key for them. Absolutely, making sure they win their their games at home because that's literally that ballpark is catered to that team. Yep, it is built for them. Like. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. I think, obviously, Astros Yankees in the in the ALCS. That that's going to be fun to watch. I'll say that. Jonathan, any closing thoughts? Just tough season for the Red Sox. Yeah, yep. tough. Should, should have been tough, there. Tough. No reason. You want to tell me that they couldn't win the division this year because the Yankees are playing out of their minds? Sure. But. Inexcusable with the talent they have. Inexcusable to not to be, not in, be the in at least the wild card. Inexcusable. Yep. And people need to be held accountable for it. Yeah, I don't know if Dombrowski has to go, but a sounds message like has to be I'm, sent. From everything I'm hearing, it sounds like he's gone. It sounds like they already he's already got a foot out the door from what I've been hearing. Alright. Well you heard it there first. Breaking moves. Scoops. <laughs> Jonathan Scoops. Uh alright everybody. This is part one of the Summer Recap Mouth and Off Sports Show. Uh, me, Dan Sadik here, joined with Ryan Brown and Jonathan Sullivan. And, of course, we signed a new contract today with Jonathan, uh, exclusive rights. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, this has been Mouth and Off Sports Recap Summer Show. We'll have part two coming Thursday. Uh, so check it out. Make sure you follow uh, Ryan at Brownie1224 and at Sully. 1797. 1797. There we go. On Twitter. Follow me, DSadic94, on Twitter as well. And the show, Mouth and Off Radio, no G. Play Fortnite. And play Fortnite, yeah. Part two. We love it. Football preview. Be there. Be there. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old there. Older than the trees, younger than the mountains, 
Growing like a breeze Country roads Take me home To the place I belong West Virginia Mountain Mama Take me home Country roads All my memories Gather round her, miner's lady, stranger to blue water. Dark and dusty, painted on the sky, misty taste of moonshine, teardrop in my eye, country roads, take me home to the place. Yesterday.